Bells with Leland Vitter. Leland will have more on the anti-Israel protests taking place on college campuses. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. We'll see you again tomorrow night. On the program tonight, Biden's red line. Iranian militiamen wound American service members in the Middle East, and the U.S. does nothing in response. My warning to the Ayatollah was that if they continue to move against those troops, we will respond. The dangers of making threats you won't back up. True crime. New FBI statistics show a drop in crime nationwide. We show you why that's only half the story. And the numbers out of California and D.C. that will shock you. Order in the court. We have a rogue judge. Donald Trump faces the ire of the judge in his fraud trial for these new comments. This is judges, uh, very partisan judge. With a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him. He had been warned. Are you mocking me? Does Donald Trump want to get thrown in jail? Free speech. Police remove a Florida mom from a school board meeting for showing books. The school shows her kids. Church camp is the best place to score Um, Also, did you feel up her The next frontier in parents' rights is here. Breaking news at this hour, 2 a.m. in the Middle East. Israel will delay its ground invasion so the United States, we're told, can move missile defense systems onto its Middle East bases. This, as the U.S. Embassy in Kuwait just warned Americans of possible attacks by an Iranian-based militia. With that, we welcome you to the Ferris Show on television first tonight from Washington. President Biden's version of President Obama's red line. The least reported story in Washington this week is Iran's injuring of about two dozen U.S. service members in attacks on our bases in the Middle East. We told you about the attacks. We predicted they would happen. But nobody talked about the injuries because the Pentagon covered it up for about a week. Today, President Biden addressed it. My warning to the Ayatollah was that if they continue to move against those troops, we will respond. And he should be prepared. Turns out, as the president spoke, Iranian militias launched more attacks on American troops, and nothing came from the United States. It's reminiscent of Biden's former boss, President Obama, who famously drew a red line for the Ayatollah's best friend. Back in 2012, Syrian President Bashar Assad was staying in power by slaughtering his own people. The U.S. wouldn't get involved, but President Obama took a stand. We have been very clear to the Assad regime, but also to other players on the ground that a red line for us is we start saying, a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. Uh, That would change my calculus. And shortly thereafter, Assad went on to gas hundreds of his own people. He killed dozens of kids. 
In fact, some of the pictures of the dead kids we can't show you. As a reporter in the Middle East, we all waited for the American response. It never came. The Middle East is like an old school sandbox. Either you punch the bully in the nose or he keeps taking your lunch money. Literally, the worst thing you can do is make a threat and not back it up, which is exactly what the Pentagon and even the Secretary of State keep doing. We will never hesitate to take action when needed to protect our forces and our interests overseas. If Iran or its proxies attack U.S. personnel anywhere, make no mistake, we will defend our people, we will defend our security swiftly and decisively. Iran just injured two dozen of our people. Yet our response has been neither swift nor decisive. We have not taken action to protect our forces. Our response is only more threats. You will hear the White House and others talk about the threat of regional war, and it is very real. Iran's militia form a ring of fire, or whatever they call it, around Israel. That also rings around the nearly 1,000 U.S. Marines, sailors, airmen, and soldiers in the Middle East standing guard right now. The only thing protecting those Americans is the word of the president. It's the credible threat of violence from the United States to protect our people. Now those 100,000 standing guard are sitting ducks. The only thing preventing regional war is actually hitting Iran, not talking about it. The problem isn't that President Biden drew a red line. The problem is he isn't enforcing it. You heard him speak in the Rose Garden ceremony. They're directly to the Ayatollah. And to be fair, why should the Ayatollah be scared? There are only two times the Iranian regime has backed down. During the U.S. invasion of Iraq, when they knew President Bush meant business, and when Trump killed the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. That's it. Bush and Trump spoke in a language the Ayatollah understood. The Ayatollah has already crossed Mr. Biden's red line, and he didn't back it up. And now American service members will sadly, but likely, pay the price for that. John Bolton is here, former ambassador to the United Nations, national security advisor to President Trump, knows a thing or two about the Iranians. They still want to kill him for killing Soleimani, among other policies he suggested. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, it's good to see you, sir. Thank you. Uh, do I have this right? Yes, absolutely. Look, the Biden administration has its eyes wide shut when it comes to Iran. They won't acknowledge that Iran uh, was in control of Hamas, is in control of Hamas. Hamas didn't volunteer to commit suicide against Israel just because they got up on the wrong side of the bed one morning. This was, I think, at Iran's direction. We have new evidence and a new story in the Wall Street Journal today about Hamas uh, uh, personnel training in Iran just before the October 7 attack. Uh, and there's plenty of other evidence. The strategic reality of the region is Hamas, Hezbollah, as you said earlier, are surrogates for Iran. But we can't admit that, says the Biden White House, because if we do, we acknowledge our entire Middle East policy for three years has been completely uh, backwards. And now, when it's American lives that are at stake, uh, 13 attacks by Iranian surrogates in the past uh, uh, 10 days, uh, the administration won't admit that either. And, and this is direct threat to our troops. Even when Secretary of State Blinken says at the U.N. that if it's Iran or its surrogates, we will defend ourselves, that's not enough. That's not enough. Iran has to pay a price 
for attacking us to begin with, because if you don't do that, if you don't show them, it will cost Iran a lot more than anything they hope to gain. We will not have deterrence, and these attacks will continue. Yeah, and the the attacks will just keep getting more aggressive. My experience, you know, the bully first, he, you know, first he, you know, insults your mother, then he pushes you, then he punches you in the face, uh, then he kicks you while you're on the ground. It just it keeps escalating. You talked about the the White House's policy towards the Middle East, which was a vast divergence from the Trump policy. Um, Israel versus Hamas polling. Harris polling shows 18 to 24 year olds roughly split between support of Hamas and Israel in the current conflict. That same group votes for President Biden by 25 plus points. I'm wondering how much of this is a political calculation rather than a national security one. Well, I I certainly wouldn't discount that, but I think the Biden administration has demonstrated in multiple crisis situations that it simply is afraid of American power. I think we have been deterred by the Russians ever since their invasion of Ukraine over a year and a half ago. All we've heard from the White House is uh, fear of escalation and and worry about what will happen if we really give Ukraine what they need when they need it in order to prevail. And I think the same thing is going on here. Uh, Nobody's looking for a wider war. The question is, how do you assert American interest? How do you protect Israel uh, and our Arab friends uh, in the Arabian Peninsula uh, uh, in a way that prevents Iran, that convinces Iran that it's simply not in their interest uh, to keep up this kind of terrorist Mm -hmm. pressure? And restraint and uh, semiotic uh, campaigns and all manner of things like that they may do wonders in the academic world in the United States. They don't convince anybody in Tehran. Yeah, for, forgive me for asking for a quick answer. I only got about 30 seconds left. But I'm curious as to, you say, afraid to use American power. And yet this was an administration that ran on bringing American foreign policy preeminence in the world, quote unquote, back. How do we square that circle? Because they think that negotiations can solve everything. And the fact is, negotiations prevail uh, for us when we, when we negotiate from an American position of strength. And mm-hmm. the Iranian regime simply does not believe Biden has that position of strength. Mr. Ambassador, you were the, the right guest today on this. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Um, we'll speak soon. A quick postscript to our conversation. Iran wants to replace America as the regional power in the Middle East. That's why they're doing all of this. And they are doing it by embarrassing America. To show you just how little respect Iran and the Arab world has for Mr. Biden, today the King of Jordan met with the President of France. You might remember King Abdullah canceled a meeting with President Biden last week during Biden's trip to the Middle East, despite the fact that we give Jordan billions of dollars. So think about that. One of our best Arab allies now views France as more important than President Biden. As as the ambassador laid out, the Biden administration's two years of cozying up to Iran has consequences. Moving here to domestic politics, if President Trump wanted to get thrown in jail for whatever reason, he'd be doing exactly what he's now doing. A New York judge just ordered him to pay a $10,000 fine for violating a gag order by posting about the judge's staff on social media. Undeterred, the former president came out swinging. I don't get a jury. Uh, this was a crush that have never been brought, but if we had a jury, it would have been 
fair, at least, even if it was a somewhat negative jury, because no negative jury would vote against me. But this judge will, because this judge is a very partisan judge, with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. Former president, of course, faces not only his fraud trial in New York and a criminal trial in New York, but ones from Florida to Washington, D.C. And in D.C., the judge already issued a gag order, but then backed down. Lauren Wright's here, professor of political science and polling at Princeton University. It's good to see you, Lauren. I've got a theory here, and that is is that uh, President Trump uh, feels as though he only is winning when he is aggrieved and in uh, the media and, and being discussed, and the media is focused on other things right now, so he's trying to get attention. He could be in the media for all sorts of other things besides being indicted and charged. I'm probably one of the only people still saying this, but there's absolutely no evidence these trials are helping him, especially in a general election environment. What we know is what the New York Times said, which I thought was a very interesting phrase, his dominance is undiminished. And so, yes, maybe it's not hurting him right now, but it's certainly not helping. And what he needs to be doing is attacking Joe Biden on policies and substance and international relations. It's very, very hard to lose reelection as an incumbent president. It's nearly impossible uh, during times of war. And so you, Trump's you, focusing on the wrong stuff to get the attention. You say that there's very little evidence that that these trials or these indictments, uh, and some of which pretty clearly are politically motivated, to be fair, are are helping him. Yet we look at the polling and after each one of the indictments, he goes up. In fact, he is has the widest margin he has ever had over Ron DeSantis. Um, now, after all of this, when when he wasn't saying anything and when he wasn't being indicted, uh, DeSantis was what, 15 or 20 points closer than he is now. Right. So look at what else is happening in the political environment. People are paying more attention. That can easily increase his position in the polls. Ron DeSantis is simultaneously tanking. That can increase Trump's position in the polls. And by the way, the evidence is really mixed. And before and after polling is one of the worst forms of evidence because there's so many other things going on. Mm -hmm. And in the documents case, the Mar-a-Lago situation there was a decrease. And so there are some of these where you see decreases, some where you see increases. You can't track it to these indictments. I'm sorry. Interesting. All right, well, we'll, we'll see what happens because he loves, as we know, he loves the attention and he loves yeah. uh, having something to fight against. Um, all right, Lauren, thank you very much. Uh, coming up next, the FBI says crime across America is down. Great news. And there are numbers to back it up. But before you let your guard down, a look at what is actually happening and the real numbers the media is not telling you about. Violent crime as a whole, including homicide, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault, is down. And the police had to stop one mom for reading a pornographic book and passages during a school board meeting. Wait till we tell you where she found the book. There's 10 images of that woman's naked breast in that book. Thank you. Son of a Critch has moved to Thursday. What is happening? It's the hit series from the producer of Shit's Creek and Change. Smells like puberty to me. 
is in the air. Thursdays on the CW. Great eight. I'm so a whole new school year has begun. I can skateboard now. Wanna try? Oh, no, thank you. But Mark Critch. I don't skate or ride a bike. I'm not into transaction. Is not coming in hot. New Year, same door. Son of a Critch, all new Thursdays at 8 7 Central on the CW. Many Americans have missed regular dental care in the past few years. It's important to see a dentist twice a year to identify any problems early. Taking care of your oral health helps overall health. Brushing at least twice a day with fluoride toothpaste and flossing daily can help prevent oral health problems. For more information, visit hrsa.gov oral health. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The Parkinson's Foundation knows that the disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. If you have questions, the Parkinson's Foundation has answers. We can help you understand the disease. And give you tips for living a better life. Find your answers at Parkinson.org or call 1-800-473-4636. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better Better lives together. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. This is Allie Bradley. Get my podcast, Bradley on the Border, at NewsNationNow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, son. Time to put out this campfire. Dad, we learned about this in school. Oh, did you now? Okay. What's first? Smokey Bear said to. First drown it with a bucket of water, then stir it with a shovel. Wow, you sound just like him. Then he said. If it's still warm, then do it again. Where can I learn all this? It's all on SmokeyBear.com with other wildfire prevention tips because only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. What's that sound? That's the sound of downy, unstoppable scent beads going into your washing machine and giving your clothes freshness that lasts all day long. There it is again. It's like music to your ears or more like music to your nose. That freshness is irresistible. Let's get a downy, unstoppable bottle shake. And now a sniff solo. Nice. Get six times longer lasting freshness plus odor protection with Downy Unstoppables in Wash Centipedes. For everyone from players to parents, football offers unlimited growth with even more to learn. Visit futureforfootball.com to get ahead of the game. Find out where to play, what equipment to use, and get the latest from leagues around the country including pro tips and parental info from the experts. These resources make it easier than ever to create your plan and make your play. No young person should ever have to worry about having a safe place to sleep at night or whether anyone cares about them. But the reality is one in ten young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For over 50 years, Covenant House has been helping youth in crisis and giving them the support and tools they need to succeed in life. To learn more, go to covenanthouse.org today. Thank you for caring.
The new crime statistics from 2022 show that overall violent crime here in the U.S. decreased by over 1% compared to the previous year. Now, the overall violent crime rate across the country is trending down. According to the latest data released by the FBI for 2022, violent crime as a whole, including homicide, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault, is down. You might have heard the good news. Crime in America is down. All the video we've shown you of armed robberies, store looting, and murders is just fear-mongering by the terrible media. Yes, the FBI data shows violent crime down nationwide. That's good news. But now we're going to show you the numbers that actually matter to you. In California, violent crime is still up 13% since 2019, plus a 31.3% jump in auto thefts. D.C. needs some help as well. In the past year, all crime is up 27%, violent crime up 14%, homicides up 34%, robbery 70%, motor vehicle theft up 102%. So tonight, we're going to talk about the numbers that actually matter. Here now, host of MIT's data science podcast, Data Nation, also professor of data science at Washington University, Liberty Vitter. Okay, so is the FBI cooking the numbers or are they just being selective? The FBI isn't cooking the numbers. The news media is cooking the numbers. This is one of the most outrageous uses of statistics I have ever seen when it comes to crime statistics. Nationally, what's happening up 1%, down 1%, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening in individual states and individual cities. That's what matters to the American public is what is happening in their city, in their town, and in their state. And we have seen clearly overall that in democratically run cities and states, we have seen these unbelievable increases in crime, up to 40% in violent crime in different democratically run states. Whereas in Republican run states like Florida, for example, we've seen these unbelievable decreases. And this is what really matters to individual people. All right. I, you and I have talked about this, right? And we've done a lot on the, the program about the dumbing down of America, the lowering standards. You want graduation rates to increase. You just lower the standards for graduation. I'm also wondering if there's a little bit of that in if you want crime to decrease, you just decriminalize things in California. Marijuana, sale of hypodermic needles, theft under $950, loitering and jaywalking, New York, marijuana, sale of hypodermic needles, on and on and on. If you decriminalize a lot of things and probably if you de-incentivize the police, the crime rate also goes down, doesn't it? Well, of course. I mean, that, that's that's the craziest thing here. If you look at California, property crime, all property crime is up 12%. That's just the crime we know about. When you decriminalize lar- uh, larceny, which is for under $950, the police then don't catch these people because they know they're just going to be released right away. So the fact that even with the decriminalization of these types of crimes, we still see this enormous bump across all types of crimes in California means who even knows what these numbers could be. They could be double. They Hmm. could be even triple what is reported. All right. So when you actually then go look at this, bring this all full circle for us, what what do the FBI statistics actually show? That red state tough on crime policies work, blue state soft on crime policies continue to lead to an increase in crime? That's 
precisely what it shows, and very specifically since the pandemic. We saw across the entire country, red or blue, during the pandemic, crime increased. What we have seen, though, is since 2020, when policing, uh, when when we started de-policing in certain places, crime has continued to skyrocket. Hmm. It has not gone down like everyone is saying. In the red states, it has gone down, and in the blue states, and specifically in the democratically-led cities, it is increasing since the pandemic, but they're using these national numbers to try to say, oh, look, crime's decreasing. They're just ignoring the fact of what's happening in their particular city. Uh, 80% of statistics normally aren't true, but there you go. Um, Liberty, thank you very much. We'll talk soon. A Tampa mom turned her kid's school board meeting into something normally reserved for HBO late night. In fact, the police had to get involved. And here's the kicker. Her crime was describing and reading from a book called Blankets. It's a, quote, poignant graphic memoir where a young boy falls in love at church camp and apparently does things that young boys would like to do. All seven members of the committee were also asked to um, look at this image. This was in the book and they all unanimously said that this and along with that 15 page okay this is in children's libraries here in hillsborough county the book also contains crosstalk like this church camp is the best place to score um also did you feel up her it has images of masturbation naked boys peeing on each other and sexual assault of a child and more nudity julie gephardt is here with us julie uh were you surprised when the police officer stood up? Uh, I was. Honestly, I had no idea that that would have happened. Um, so, yeah, it did surprise me. What, what was the point you were trying to make? Do you really think the school board didn't know what was in the book? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. I've been to that board uh, so many times, and it seems to me every time I come, it's like a surprise to them. They're not... They, they really don't know what's in the books. They didn't really even know about the committee meeting that had been held about this book. So the book had been challenged. It was going through this whole process. The committee at the school had met, and they looked at all of those images, and they still decided that this is something they wanted to keep in their library. There are a couple board members that did actually look surprised when I told them that and showed them that image. Um, but really, they, they, they seem to be a little bit oblivious to what's going on, or they don't care. There's a majority of them well, that don't age, care. We do have a- what age kids are they? Are we talking about here? So this is high school kids, which is, you know, could be down to 13, um, 13 to 17, 18, I guess, in some cases. But, mm-hmm. you know, I have a 14-year-old, and there's no way that I would, you know, affirm this as being something appropriate for him to be reading or looking at. I mean, we know what this does to the minds of kids. Um, it's a dopamine hit, then they want more, they need more, and it doesn't end there. Where does it go then? Well, you know, potentially this is what's shaping, you know, the the, the news that we see now. There's so much of this sexual assault and there's I mean, we even see a lot of teachers involving themselves with students and minors and things like that. And I just think this feeds an industry that's already destroying our nation.
Well, I, I, I forgive me. I mean, I un, I understand being wanting to be in control of what your kids learn and don't, but mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm trying to get the connection here of of all of a sudden teachers being involved with students in in this quote unquote industry with a, a novel, for lack of a better term, that that has some graphic pictures in it. Sure, and there, you know, it, it, I'd be hard pressed to give you an exact direct connection between that, but I will say this. The sex trafficking industry here in Tampa is rampant. And what this does is this paves the way for those kids. Because when you start breaking down those moral boundaries that they instinctively have within them, um, and you just start presenting more and more of this sexualized content to them, you know, eventually those boundaries wear down and they're far more susceptible to this industry. Uh, headline terror from uh, past book bans. Hillbearer schools cut back on Shakespeare's, citing new Florida rules. Hillsborough County teachers have had to change their lesson plans to limit Shakespeare. Instead of students reading the full text of classics like Macbeth, Hamlet, or Romeo and Juliet, they have to read excerpts. This is the criticism leveled against folks like yourself who, who wanted the ability to, quote-unquote, ban certain books. Okay, this is just a straight-up distraction from what's actually happening. Because if, if I were to show you the content, I've got books sitting all around me from our school. If I were to show you the content, you would have to turn off the cameras. You wouldn't be able to show it on your program. Um, we saw that happen when the governor had the press conference, the Book Ban Hoax conference. They had to turn off the cameras. So we're not talking about Shakespeare. I haven't heard parents going into meetings talking about Shakespeare. I don't know if you have. But that is just a, a distraction, and I think it's it's silly. So why why would it seem something so obvious, right, to to sort of fair-minded people that you know perhaps if fourteen-year-olds are going to get this kind of content, um, their parents should at least know about it and say, hey, here, Johnny or Jill, you, you can read this book or you can't read this book. Why has this become, you think, so controversial? And there are school boards now that are having. Um, to go through such, such gymnastics over it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that that is because of the propaganda that has been pushed through uh, some media agencies um, that just says that these are book banners and they equate people like me who want to protect children and their innocence, they equate us to the Nazis. You know, And so they, they push this narrative over and over that we're silencing certain communities. Well, that's not the truth. If you look at what we've been doing, we are actually fighting against just the graphically sexually explicit content. But this propaganda push has really driven the whole thing, and it has silenced a lot of reasonably minded people. And it needs to stop. We need to stand up, and we need to just think critically. I mean, forever, Playboy has been banned from school libraries. I mean, if we're going to go that route, then let's just (laughs) be straight up about it, right? Oh, boy, I'm, I'm thinking about life in high school when I was a kid. It was a little simpler uh, for both of us, I guess. Uh, Julie, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Coming up next, how America's cable channels became Hamas's public relations department. The effect on Palestinian civilians stuck inside Gaza, they say, seems like collective punishment. (laughs) 
This is a new video tonight out of Cooper Union College that reports to show Jewish students, you can see there are a couple in their yarmulkes, locked inside the library while pro-Hamas marchers outside tried to break in. They must have been terrified. Anti-Semitism Watch reports campus police, or the NYPD, escorted the Jewish students to safety by a tunnel. We called the school. They refused to comment. Colby Hall is here, founding editor at Mediate News Nation, contributor on Balance, resident philosopher. Colby, uh, if during George Floyd, these were black students locked inside a library with white students outside with hoods banging to get in, it would lead every newscast tonight, it would lead every newscast tomorrow morning, every network morning show, the President of the United States would be out talking about it, as would, as would the Vice President. And yet it's Jewish students, and I've been watching all the other cable networks, it hasn't even come up once. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's it's a big story, and I checked also, and I've seen a couple of websites cover it, um, not many big sites yet. It, it is stunning. Stunning. It's it's alarming, and it's part of a larger. I, I, Colby, trend. Colby, I, Colby. I'm looking. I'm looking on CNN.com right now. It's not there. I'm looking on NBCNews.com. I mean, this is it's just not there. Well, so the it's story is that there was a large. It was it was a protest across all colleges in New York City. Uh, it wasn't pro Hamas. It was pro Palestinian protests. The video that we saw in Cooper Union, which is Lower Manhattan, which is a sort of a progressive hotbed, uh, shockingly. Uh, it is alarming and terrifying and should get attention. But be, it, it, but it's it, in this sort of story, the media with this loves to search for nuance and ignores the very terrifying and alar- alarming nature of the story itself. And in this instance, that there are students that were literally barricading themselves for fear of an angry pro-Palestinian mob that, who knew, mob, mob mentality rarely leads to anything good. So, I don't blame those students for for locking themselves into safety. Well, no kidding. I mean, these people obviously were terrified. You keep talking about this distinction between pro-Palestinian versus pro-Hamas. All of these marches are chanting things from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. These are not people worried about the suffering of the Palestinian people. Maybe they do, but they are also celebrating, as we've seen in all of these marches. Uh, Hamas's Correct. Uh, terror I, and Hamas's I'm, murder. This is... I, I, I'm, 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 no, but I, mean, I think it's a, it's a genuine issue. Why? And, and we'll, we'll, we'll play the tape. We're going to play the tape of the Charlottesville marchers follow, chanting, Jews will not replace us, versus Antifada, 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 which is the murder of Jews. But somehow we're to believe that there's nuance in one and not in the other. Take a listen. The Tiki Torches led every newscast for weeks. No, you're the only reason I said that they're pro-Palestinian is that's how the protests self-identified. I don't know that every protester, as you just said, were chanting pro-Hamas stuff. But your larger point, I think, stands in that there's a lot, you know, people don't know what they're talking about. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, hold on, Colby. 
I understand that. And I will say that the people chanting the Jews will not replace us identify as Proud Boys. They don't you know, identify as white supremacist neo-Nazis. Most of them wouldn't tell you that's what they are. It's the media's responsibility to call things what they are, not what people self-identify as. That seems to only apply when people are marching against Jews. And I just don't get it. Or liberals marching against Jews. I, I, I think that's it. I think it's a it's a being kind to a progressive point of view and the media bending over themselves to find nuance and context in a very, very complicated story. And this is, you know, this as well as anyone having spent all this time in Israel. This is a challenging story. And what we're seeing in the real fault here in the media is a lack of more clarity. There's this sort of knee jerk reaction to go to nuance and context when, in fact, there's no nuance and context to defend the, the sort of terrorists and atrocities that occurred on October 7th. So, and, and by the way, I think the way that it's been covered has done a real disservice to peace and safety for Jews around the world because the, the, the way that the, the bombing of the hospital was, uh, was, was wrongly uh, reported, that, went, that did a lot of harm and damage, and I still think we're seeing the repercussions of that. Mm. And if your point is that the media needs to step up and cover this, we're seeing a rise of hate crimes against Jews, and that's... I, I would never yeah. have thought that we we look like we're on the precipice of something that I never, ever thought would have happened well, 40, in a society that we lived in. Yeah, 50% of Americans, 18 to 24, say they support Hamas. Um, that That's Hamas, a terror a terror organization. Real quick, we're going to play a bite from, from CBS talking about the situation inside Gaza. Israel is ramping up its airstrikes in Gaza. Yeah, those attacks coincide with a growing concern for the escalating humanitarian crisis in the territory. The UN now says Gaza is coping with an extreme fuel shortage. They claim hospitals in the enclave will be forced to stop operations by the end of the day. Look, I, I have been to Gaza. <laughs> I've reported on this for a long time. Gaza is a hellhole, unquestionably. Uh, my question is, why does all of these organizations point the finger at Israel and not Hamas and not Egypt and not Jordan? I, I'm trying to find a reason not to see real rampant anti-Semitism, but I can't. Well, I don't know if it's a, it's a very difficult story to report because not many people are allowed into Gaza. And I, what I think the largest crime here that we see is the the reporting of, of statements put out by the Gaza Health Ministry, look, you can report on what's being put out there. But if you don't also hedge and sort of play and report that they are representative of the mouthpiece, the house organ of a terrorist organization, then you are unwittingly putting out the propaganda in favor of that terrorist organization. And yes, there are images and graphic images of civilians that are uh, that have died because they are human shields by these horrible terrorists. It's a horrible, complicated story, but this knee-jerk reaction mm. to sort of look at Israel as the, it literally is blaming the victim in, in many, many instances. And I, I just, yeah. people, no, have to, people in the media need to do much, much better. Well, we're, we'll, we'll, we will see tomorrow morning uh, about how, how many of the network newscasts lead, lead with that video exactly. out of Cooper Union College. Uh, it would be fascinating. Colby, thank you as always. We appreciate it. It's good to see you. Coming up next, Thanks for having me. sanctuary cities are no longer the sanctuaries they claim to be, how the rising migrant crisis overwhelmed places that acted like, well, New York City. It was no, it was no big deal. Chris Cuomo next on that.
you knew it was going to happen, that every city was going to become a border city. And now more than half of New Yorkers say the migrant surge will destroy New York City, the, the center of liberty and welcoming immigrants, the melting pot of America. All right. So let's just take a look at the numbers here right now. New York City, since spring of 2022, 176,000 population, well over 8 million, average per month, 6,000, 7,000 people a minuscule percentage. Now let's compare that if we go down to say the Rio Grande Valley, McAllen, Texas population, 143,000. They're getting nearly a sixth of their population coming through every month. That would be like almost having a million people every month coming through New York City. They're having 8,000. Chris is here. I'm wondering, Chris, sort of how New York is going to reckon with this? Well, Reckon has uh, two aspects, right? One is the messaging, the sentimentality, the politics of it, uh, which seems to be getting way too much emphasis. The other part of reckoning with it is actually planning and executing in a way that we're not seeing in the state right now. They've done some triage at the city level. Uh, they went down and asked for help for the Biden administration. They didn't mm. get it at first blush. Yeah. Um, the idea that it's going to destroy New York City is basically just screaming out, hi, I'm a bad leader. Uh, I don't know how to handle problems. And I think that that may play well for the media, but I think it's pathetic uh, for someone who's been voted into power to solve the problems and say this is going to destroy our city. What will destroy the city is poor leadership. Um, also, All of these cities that you've been pointing out are proof of one thing. The federal policy at the border is failing. And I hope with the new speaker, they'll put the money down there and there will be a hyper emphasis on the border for two reasons. One, um, because of the flow and the inefficiencies. Second, the terror threat. And I hope that what's happening in the Middle East will remind people, you know, I'm old enough to remember um, when the second intifada ended uh, within a year, we got hit. As the animus spread, we cannot have that happen again. These cities shouldn't be dealing with the problem because we should be dealing with it better and processing it better along the border where it should be happening. It's a failure. The question is, who wants the advantage of fixing it? Who will step up and take the mantle of saying we got it done? Now, it'll be it'll be amazing to watch. I think you very rightly point out the issue. Uh, with the terror threat already. We had that that warning from Customs and Border Protection about Hamas and Hezbollah people coming across. There's now a Homeland Security Committee investigation into it. All right, Chris, we'll see you at the top of the hour. Thank you. Coming up uh, tomorrow, don't miss retired U.S. Army General, former CIA Director David Petraeus joins Morning America live with his insights on the Israel-Hamas war and the terror threat here in the United States. Morning America starts at 6 a.m., 5 central. China is welcoming Gavin Newsom like the president he wants to be. Did the California governor live up to that grand arrival? China treated Gavin Newsom, governor of California, like the president he wants to be. Tonight's Newsom Watch, we follow the governor to Beijing, where he talked about all the issues Xi Jinping loves. What are you doing in China when we've got so much to deal with on our own soil? What do you say to them? Well, our our, our soil is becoming aridified uh, because of climate change. 
um, the impact of, uh, of climate knows no boundaries, knows no jurisdiction. Uh, Chris Hahn is here, host of the Aggressive Progressive podcast. Didn't bring up human rights with Xi Jinping. Didn't bring yeah, up no. support of Iran. That seems to be a problem with everybody who sits with Xi Jinping. I think human rights needs to be the top of the conversation. Uh, I could see why he would welcome Gavin Newsom. There's only four other leaders in the world that have a bigger economy than Gavin Newsom. Uh, so I, I think that him getting out there on the world stage is something he should do. I think most governors want to travel the world. I think he has uh, a real reason to do that, given the size of the California oh, come on. economy. This, this, oh, come, oh, come on. This, is, this isn't about economics. You go see, she, be, be, yeah, see Xi Jinping. This is about he wants to be presidential. Like you, you. Say that again. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, after 8 o'clock. All right, Democrats and Democratic-leading independent voters who asked their party who should nominate as a 2024 presidential candidate, 33% chose Biden, 67% said they wanted a different candidate as the party's nominee. He's going to China. He's going to Israel. All of a sudden, he's, he's trying to telegraph the I'm ready, right? He is letting everybody know he's ready to rock. And should Joe Biden decide on his own that he does not want to run for a third, a second term, uh, I think that Newsom might step in there and try to get the nomination himself. I think there might be one or two other governors that might feel the same way. Uh, I think he's raised his profile in a way that many others haven't. He's become more of a household name among Democrats nationwide, whereas others might have a little bit more regional uh, you know, name recognition. Uh, Governor Newsom is definitely a nationally known commodity. and He's made a very good job of it by his appearances on national television networks, including on conservative networks that wouldn't necessarily be friendly to him, yeah. where he's performed well. And, and, of course, traveling the world, getting a lot of ink. Yeah, no, look, he's, he's, willing, he's willing to go and talk on Fox. He's going to uh, debate DeSantis. What I think is interesting is that the populist part of both the Republican and Democratic Party take a very hawkish view of China. Um, for, for a number of reasons, and yet Gavin Newsom today rejected that. Take a listen. Well, it's about diversification, and I think that's a healthy thing for every country. Um, but again, it's just about competition, raises everyone's game. But zero sum, I completely reject that framework. That's uh, a very dangerous framework. Uh, and I'm just of, I'm not of that mindset. Sounds like Chamberlain at Munich. Hey, trading partners don't go to war, right? People who trade together don't go to war. People work out things economically, have a healthy competition. They don't go to war. Uh, and I think that uh, China is going to be one of our uh, major trading partners, whether we like it or not, for the foreseeable future. And a lot of people who are hawkish on China, you know, tweet that from a uh, cell phone made in China. So 